Hey, welcome to A Better Story Podcast. Before we get into it, two quick things. First, uh, big thanks to Light Theory again for the intro and outro music. You can check out a link to their music in the show notes. Second, there is a Better Story Facebook page. So if you search on Facebook for at a better story, you can check out updates, episodes, uh, give it a like. You can share stuff that way. So check it out. Now, with that said, today's episode is called The Bible Doesn't Have to Suck, which of course implies that sometimes we make the Bible suck. I don't think I have to convince you, hopefully, that people have made the Bible suck before just in the way that has been used to justify a whole slew of awful things. Uh, And then people also find the Bible really confusing and strange and weird because it has violence and atrocities. It also has beautiful things in it, but it's all mixed in in this really kind of messy way. So I want us to zoom out today and look at what the Bible actually is. When we do, I think we'll find that the Bible doesn't actually have to suck, that it actually is this complex, lovely, beautiful thing. Now, I discovered this a few years back when I started to sort of go on this journey to try and understand what the Bible was. And at first, I was trying to make it make sense historically. And so I read all these books about how it was supposed to be uh, inerrant and infallible, which are just big words we use for our own expectations for the Bible. But they all left me sort of unsatisfied, like it just didn't quite add up or quite make sense. It felt sort of forced and strange. So then I began to look for like an overall narrative of the Bible. I wanted it to be this sort of complete story that had a nice character arc and a nice ending to it with a little bit of drama in between. When I went on that journey, when I began to zoom out and look at this big picture of the Bible, I didn't always find a nice, smooth narrative, but I found something much more interesting and much more compelling. And I want to talk about that today. But before we get there, let's name a couple of the reasons why the Bible is confusing to us, and then try to kind of walk back from them, and then I'll circle back around to what the Bible is, in my opinion. The first reason that the Bible can seem really confusing to us is because we put modern expectations and weird labels on it. Those labels I mentioned earlier, things like inerrancy and infallibility, are relatively recent words in Christian history that essentially try to look at the Bible as a historical, sometimes scientific document. Well, as you saw, hopefully from the very first episode of this podcast in Genesis, that doesn't work very well. And it actually, I think, is an injustice to the scriptures themselves. When we look at the Hebrew and Christian scriptures and we impose our modern standards, then we're completely missing what they're saying. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone when you're trying to get a point across and they're just talking over you or they're just hearing what they want to hear? It's sort of like that. Second reason we can find scriptures really confusing is because we misunderstand what the actual genres are. We try to think of them as nice, neat genres, but they aren't always one particular genre. Sometimes they're kind of mixed together and baked together like a cake where A cake has lots of particular ingredients in it, but they're baked together and mixed together in a particular way. Even when we can identify a genre of the Bible, like if you look at the Gospels and we think, okay, these must be these sort of like historical biographical accounts of Jesus. If we think about them with our modern expectation of history and biography, we're going to get messed up because that's not what they actually were. If you look at the writings of ancient historians, we see that that's not how historians wrote back then. Plutarch, who was an ancient historian and writer, said that 
his job, he felt like, was to capture the soul of a person. So he couldn't always get the details right, but he felt like if he could capture who the person was, the impact they left on the world and the people around them, then he had done his job. And other ancient writers, like guys with cool names like Lucian and Thucydides, acknowledge that they couldn't get a perfect historical account of someone, that when they wrote, they were allowed some creative liberties because there weren't video recorders, there weren't camcorders, people writing things down. And so they took some creative liberties. So if we read things like the Gospels and we try to make them perfect historical accounts, they're not going to work out because the writers were trying to say something about who Jesus was, not just record a perfect history of Jesus. And the last thing that can make the Bible really confusing to us is when we lose or just don't see the historical or cultural context. What's written in the Bible and even things that look like commands to us are for a very particular people in a particular time. So if we try to just take them out of a 2,000-year-old document and put them in today, then they're going to look really strange and they aren't always going to produce life-giving results. So when we take off our strange labels and modern expectations and begin to look at the historical and cultural context of Scripture, I think we find something. And this is what I found on my own journey with Scripture. When we take those things off of it and let Scripture breathe and try to actually see what it is, what we find is this really beautiful but messy account of people waking up and trying to keep up with God. So you see people wrestling with who God is, and there's movement. It doesn't just stay the same. There are leaps forward, and they're thinking about God and the world. So if you look at something in the scriptures and you say, this seems really messed up and antiquated, it's because sometimes it is. And sometimes people did things and said things in the name of God and then later realized that it wasn't God at all who was saying those things. And there are examples all over scripture of people waking up and trying to keep up with who God is. The very first episode of this podcast, Genesis 1, is a great example of this. These stories were leaps forward in how people thought about God and the world around them, that they centered them on peace and wholeness and instilling the image of God in people. Same thing is true in the laws of the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures. The laws can seem really confusing to us when you look at them because there are some really awful and strange sounding ones. But we have to understand is a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were these leaps forward in thinking about who God was and how to relate to one another. Let me give you an example. One of the most common or well-known laws was an eye for an eye. So if someone hurt you, someone poked your eye out, you could take their eye out, or if someone took your donkey, you could take their donkey. Now this, to us, might seem like really awful and like an unjust system, but at the time, the world was accustomed to escalating violence. Whereas if someone hurt you or hit you in the eye, you would kill them. And so what is happening behind this law is people are beginning to realize that we can't continue to escalate violence. We need to cap it. You see the same thing throughout the law in how it deals with women and children, sometimes in some ways that seem truly awful to us, but at their time were huge steps forward. There's an episode of the Robcast that I'll link to in the show notes where he talks about this in some really helpful and interesting ways. But when we see these things in the law and in scriptures, we don't look at them and say, that's the final word about who God is, we zoom out and we keep 
looking for movement. And we begin to see that these people wrestling with who God is begin to wake up and change their understanding, just like we do today. Let me give you another example. A few books later in the Hebrew Scriptures, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, there's the story of David, and it says that God compelled David to count the Israelites. And then he does that, and God gets upset at the counting. But then what happens is several books later in Chronicles, the story is told again. And David is said to count the people. But this time, Chronicles says that he was compelled by Satan to count people. So you get same story twice. But one time something is attributed to God, the other time it's attributed to the very opposite of God. So what happened? Well, 400 years happened. Generally, scholars think that 1 Samuel is written about 800 years before Jesus came on the scene. And that 1 Chronicles was written about 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. So these people had 400 years to reflect on these stories. And they had the courage and the honesty to say, we got it wrong. What we thought was from God at that point actually wasn't. It was the total opposite. And we do the same thing today. Think about it. Two, three hundred years ago, people were using the Bible to justify slavery. And over time, we woke up and realized God was never about that. We were the ones who were off. A hundred years ago, people were using the Bible to justify segregation. And over time, people woke up and realized God was never about that. We were off. The same thing happens with sexism and the mistreatment of women. People begin to realize that God has never been about that either. This is how we relate to God, and this is how people always have related to God. We make these leaps forward in our understandings, but they're always a little bit behind who God actually is. Our picture of God is never complete. Let's look at some other examples about people moving with God. If you look at what is sometimes called the minor prophets in the Hebrew scriptures, you see this all the time. And you see it happen quickly. So for example, in the book of Zephaniah, it's this short little book where people are trying to wrestle with their context and where God is in it. And it starts with them thinking that God is judging them, that God is bringing destruction and death into their lives. And then over time, they begin to say, well, maybe God is just testing us, refining us. And then eventually it changes again and they say, well, maybe God is actually present with us in this. And then by the end of the book, they say, no, God loves us deeply. God is a God of mercy and love. And so you see movement. So when you see something in scripture that makes you uncomfortable, that seems really backwards, it might be because it is, but that's not where the story stops. Let me give you another example with Jesus. So that eye for an eye passage, that was a leap forward in the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus looks at that and he keeps moving with it. He says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I tell you, love your enemies, turn the other cheek. Jesus feels the freedom to look at what were their holy scriptures and to keep moving in the direction they were pointing. Because that's what the scriptures are. They're not a nice, neat narrative or story all the time. They have a trajectory, though. It's two steps forward, one step back. 
but the story moves towards wholeness and towards love. It's a story of people beginning to see that that's who God is and who God always was. We see it in the early church. Last week's episode about the Ethiopian eunuch, about God going out to the desert and including this person who should not have been included according to the church's current standards. And then eventually the church catches up later on, but they were already behind God. So when we think about the Bible and we think about what we see in it, it's not static. It doesn't stop. But it gives us a trajectory to live into. It doesn't give us all the answers to life. It doesn't tell us everything we need to know about God. But it points us in the direction. And it pushes us to live into it to embody the values that it points towards, humility and love and creativity and justice. As we do that, we begin to wake up and keep up with the presence of God, just as people did two and three and 4,000 years ago. So that's why the Bible doesn't have to suck. We let it push us and pull us in the direction that it's trying to. We find that the Bible does suck when we're hurt by people using the Bible. You see people using the Bible in racist and sexist and homophobic ways. It's because they're moving in the wrong direction. They're going backwards. And Scripture is trying to pull us forward, to wake us up to who God is. So I hope that we can have the courage to do that, to look forward, to acknowledge when we've got it wrong, when we've done things in the name of God that are just off, and have the creativity and the humility that's required to live into the trajectory that Scripture gives us. So I hope you can do that today, friends. Peace. (laughs) 